Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Now, one of the things that I do uh, as a pastor is I see things out there in the world that I believe are dangerous to uh, not only our church, but I think to us as believers. I like to draw it to your attention. Um, We have talked about different... Um, false religions and uh, uh, dangerous philosophies that, and doctrines that are out there in the world. And um, there is a, <clears throat> I don't want to call it a new uh, philosophy out there uh, because it's not new, but it is something that is uh, gaining traction and is becoming a real danger uh, to Christianity. Uh, the the name of this philosophy or doctrine or what, however you want to call it, I'm not sure actually, um, is progressive Christianity. Um, progressive Christianity is becoming, it, it's sweeping our country uh, quickly. And uh, we are, we are, in a discipleship program uh, right now, you know, the, with the the book and all that we're we're covering, so I felt it was important to talk about it for a few minutes, so that we understand what progressive Christianity is. Because on the surface, progressive Christianity sounds good. I mean, right? Okay. Well, okay. So <clears throat> I want to. We have uh, my first slide for you is this is uh, something that a, I I won't tell you the name of church because it's not important, but a progressive church uh, put this on their website or on their, was it on their Facebook or their website? I think it was their website. Um, But I want to read it to you. It says, a progressive Christian, oh, excuse me, as progressive Christians, we are open to the tensions and the inconsistencies of the Bible. <clears throat> we, we know that it can't live up to impossible, or, yeah, modern standards. We strive to more clearly articulate the Scripture, or, excuse me, articulate what Scripture is and isn't. Now I want to I want to pick apart this I want to pick apart this this statement because th- this is a dangerous heresy right here. Okay, L- let's start with the word progressive. Now, <clears throat> one of the things you've heard me say, and I believe this with all my heart, if I am not moving forward in my walk with Christ, then I'm moving backwards. There is no neutral in, in your walk with Christ. You are, you, you are either growing or you're regressing. It, it's, it's that simple. So the word progressive here can be misleading, can it not? Because are we not supposed to progress in our walk with Christ? So <clears throat> the problem with the word progressive is the fact that it's always changing. One of the the reasons why it's hard to define 
what progressive Christianity is, is because every church that calls itself a progressive Christian church is different. Their doctrinal statements are different and they're constantly changing. Why, based on this statement, why would their goalpost constantly be moving? Okay, they're, they're linking with modern society. Robert? Okay, all right, hey, no political stuff here, okay? That, this is not the place for that. All right, what'd you say? Evolving faith, so it's it's constantly in, on the move. Okay, but there, there's something here. There's no inconsistency in scripture. Scripture is absolutely. Okay, true. the problem with the word progressive is it's always evolving, and they have no basis of authority. Where where as Christians, where should our basis of authority be? In the Bible. So as, as progressive Christians, then, what are they basing their philosophies on? On, on the, on the ever-moving emotions of men. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear. Yes, exactly. Whatever, whatever is the, the, the okay. What, the next word that I want to I pick on here is the word tensions. Is there any tension in the Bible? Yeah, there is. We call it conviction. Have you ever read the Bible and God prick your heart and say, hey, you need to start doing this? That's called conviction. I hate to tell you this, but conviction is a good thing. Not a bad, they make it sound bad. The next thing is there is not there are no inconsistencies in this book. I'm worked up over this. This this is this is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Yeah, she did. It's her fault. <clears throat> Modern standards. Jesus says. <clears throat> I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't base what we believe on how we feel. Or what society says. Let, let, me, let me show you. <clears throat> they, they put this statement up, and then below that, this, this, next, this next picture was also, uh, this meme was also, go ahead. <clears throat> the Bible isn't the Word of God. <clears throat> the Bible isn't self-interpreting. The Bible isn't a science book. The Bible isn't an answer or a rule book. <clears throat> the Bible isn't inerrant or infallible. They claim that the Bible is a product of community. I don't even know what that means. I, that's the only thing I could come up with. Uh, it is a library of text. That means, you know, just to, you know, yeah, okay. Uh, multivocal. 
multiple voices. Now, I'm here to tell you, God breathes the Word of God. It is not multiple, it is singular. Uh, It is a human response to God. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) This is the Word of God. And living and dynamic. I would... I would agree with that. They got that one right. The Word of God is living and it is dynamic. Now, you can go ahead and turn the lights back on. Um, I want to share with you um, an apologist, somebody that my wife follows. I I don't know. I got this from from her website. She, she, She gives us five signs your church might be heading toward progressive Christianity. I just want to read these really quick and then I'll get off my hobby horse. The first one is, there is a lowered view of the Bible. Think about that. I I can take you to preachers online that will give you their opinion all day long and not even crack a Bible. And they'll, they'll use a lot of these arguments why they don't. Uh, the second one is uh, feelings are emphasized over facts. I, again, I, can, I, I know personally of churches that it's all about the experience, not what the Word of God says. Number three, <clears throat> essential Christian doctrines are open to reinterpretation. So when the church says, well, <clears throat> I know that this is what it, we've always believed, but you fill in the blank. Number four, historic terms are redefined. And I'll tell you, that's, that is a dangerous thing. That is a dangerous thing. <clears throat> After all, God wouldn't punish sinners, would he? Absolutely he would. I'm here to tell you, I, I, I'm here to tell you, for 40 years I feared my dad dying. Because I knew had he died, he, he would have woken up in hell. This week, I spent some time with somebody that I know wasn't saved who was dying. I had witnessed to him before, shared the gospel with him, and he rejected it. He died the next day. We make our choices. And then the fifth, the fifth thing that you know the church is heading this way is the heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. Our, 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 world, our, our, our country, our world is in a world of hurt because churches like this are becoming more and more prevalent because we live in a country that we hear over and over and over, oh, you need to be tolerant. 
you know what? I love, I love people. But it doesn't change the fact that God is still God and the gospel is still the gospel. Yes. It is. It's all part of the end time. It is. Yeah. Yep. So, any questions before we before we move on? I I know I I just had to get that because it's a it's a dangerous dangerous thing. Yes, sir. No, no, you're fine. Right. Right. Yeah. And 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 what what the what the problem part of the problem is that Christians today have swallowed the lies of the world. And and they 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 feel like they need to conform to the lies of the world. And you see it in the churches. Did you have your hand up? Yeah, just, um, on their website they have Man, you already found it. <laughs> The dignity of Earth. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm so, this this doesn't do anything for me. Okay, 
Right, so go ahead. <coughs> well, I can't see it. I mean, she's just doing this. I can't see it. Yes, dear. Sweetie pie. <laughs> I love you. Yes, dear. A, 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 a bunch, yes. Am I turning red? Okay. Boy, it's warm in here. Yes. So, some of the ladies that come to help me now, I've been listening to this podcast with this woman, and it's not that we agree with everything she says, but she is the one that has pointed out the error in uh, progressive Christianity. And because we know somebody that's in it, uh, it's especially um, concerning. And so I had seen that, heard her talk in the last week on her podcast about this, and so that's why I said it to him. But as he was reading it, I was reminded we have often, I will have, we both have, people come up to us and say, hey, have you read? Or hey, have you seen? Or hey, have you listened to? And I, yeah. I, and I've even had women say, why don't we do this Bible study? Why don't we do this? Because I know I, and he does too, but I, I am extremely diligent to study out who we read, who we recommend. Um, we should read broadly, but if you're not discerning, don't. Right. If you are discerning, read it, but read it with your Bible right there to say, okay, no, this is wrong. Right. And so um, there are some popular progressive authors right now that are huge that they sound good and so people start reading them and that's how a lot of these people that go to these churches started because that sounds good it looks good and then you start reading it and so you just got to be so incredibly discerning in what you study who you read who you listen to like this podcaster i don't listen to everything she says but even when I do, I'm like, okay, is that right? And so as I was listening to her on this and this meme, oh my goodness, it's worse than I thought it was. Yeah. And they said the Bible is not the word of God. What? Yeah. I, yeah. So. Anybody else before we, before we move on? Yes, ma'am. We need to be very careful with this with this subject because the reality is Christ died for everyone. He loves everyone. And no matter who walks through that door, they should get the same greeting as anybody else. Because Christ died for them. I don't care what they look like. What they what they wear, it doesn't matter. Christ died for all of us. Yes, yeah, last week I talked about that guy. So, anything else before we pick up on page 50? 1 John chapter 4, page 50 in our book. <clears throat> 
we're going to pick up. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't, I'm not really apologizing, but I guess I am because I, I, I just got so worked up over that. Um, but I just felt like it was something we needed to, to, to share. Um, we're going to start down near the bottom. Uh, it says, why does it matter so much that we know this? And that is what that's referring to is the question before is why is the deity of Christ so important? And really, one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up tonight is because it has everything to do with what we just talked about. If we don't believe Jesus Christ died for our sin, then why are we here? Right? So, your, your first point, I think we did this, this next blank, I think we did this one last week. But knowing who Jesus is guards us against false teachers. What did we just talk about? Right. False teaching. But if we know who Jesus is and we can, we can weigh what they're saying that sounds good to the Word of God and who Jesus is and what He did for us, He didn't come to this earth to die so that everybody could feel good and get along. He came to pay for your sin and for mine. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, And every spirit that confesseth <clears throat> not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. <clears throat> so, uh, and I believe that's where we left off, right? Okay, next point. Knowing who Jesus is helps us as we share the gospel with others. In incredibly important. <clears throat> Let me see if, okay. <clears throat> Uh, our salvation depends on the fact that Jesus, as God, came to pay for our sin. We, when we understand what the Bible teaches about the deity of Christ, we can help answer the questions other, people's ha other people have. Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 is a powerful reminder of what Jesus did for us. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That means in, in eternity past, Christ made the decision that I am going to die for those worthless sinners. And why he decided to do that, I do not know. But the reality is, I deserve hell. But because of what Christ did for me, I'm going to avoid all that. That's a powerful thought. Your next point, knowing who Jesus is allows us to know and follow him. I don't know about you, but the more 
I understand what Christ did for me, the more I want to follow him. During Jesus' ministry, he healed the sick and the lame, uh, even raised a few people from the dead. You can imagine many people followed him, but at one point when Jesus clearly claimed to be God, many people forsook him. See, they were just there for the show. Jesus then turned to his disciples and asked a piercing question. Look over to John uh, chapter 6. John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 67. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the word words of eternal life. We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What was what was Paul literally saying? Or excuse me, Peter. What was Peter saying? Who, who were the Jews looking for? The Messiah. Peter was literally saying, you are the Messiah that we've been waiting for. What, where else would I go? You are the Messiah. Knowing who Jesus is, next point here, knowing who Jesus is allows us to know and follow him. Oh, I'm sorry, I just, I read that one. Hello, I'm sorry. Uh, in this lesson that we're getting ready to start here, lesson three, this has all been introduction, by the way. Uh, in, in, this, in this lesson, we will learn more about who Jesus is, um, how we know it, and what that means for us. Now, last week, I, I read you a list of the... Uh, the places or the identification of Christ in each book of the Bible. Uh, in fact, we have a few of those left if you're interested. <clears throat> but I, 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 that started me thinking, and uh, this week I went through and I started thinking about the names of Christ. And, and <clears throat> why are the names of Christ so important? We're going to, well, actually in the book, we're going to be talking about this, but the author of the book, for, for obvious reasons, can't get into all the names of Christ. But why are the names of Christ so important? Okay, because most of the names describe parts of his attributes. Okay? Um, so I, I've actually thought about, I've never... You know, Lord's never given me a green light to do it, but I would like to do sometime a series preached through the names of Christ. I, I just think it'd be—I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, but anybody know how many names Christ had in, in the Bible? A bunch. Okay. <laughs> and, and somebody take a shot. 
Well, he's not mentioned in every book, but he's referred to in every book. There's at least two books that he's not. Um, uh, okay, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the name. The, 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 the truth is there's 102 names uh, that I've been able to find uh, for Jesus in, in the Bible. Okay, so uh, we have, I, I printed out, I came prepared this week. Um, so Brandon actually has, has them. Uh, we, we printed them out. But let, let me read these 102 names for you real quick. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, he is, uh, verse 45, he's called Adam. He's the advocate, 1 John chapter 2, the almighty revelation, the Alpha and the Omega in Revelation, the Amen in, in the book of Revelation, uh, the Apostle of our prof- profession, Hebrews chapter 3, the Arm of the Lord, Isaiah 51, the author and finisher of our faith in Hebrews chapter 12, the author of eternal salvation in Hebrews chapter 5, the beginning of creation of God in Revelation 3, beloved son, Matthew 12, Blessed and only uh, potentate, potentate, potentate. Uh, anyway, you know, First uh, Timothy six. Uh, he's the branch in Isaiah four, the bread of life in John six, captain of salvation Hebrews two, chief shepherd First uh, Peter five, uh, Christ of God in Luke nine, uh, the consolation of Israel in Luke two. The Cornerstone, Psalm 118, Counselor, Isaiah 9, Creator, John 1, uh, Dayspring, Luke 1, uh, Deliverer, Romans 11, uh, Desire of Nations, Haggai, chapter 2, The Door, John 10, The Elect of God, Isaiah 42. Uh, Do you get the idea? Do you want me to keep reading? (laughs) How many of you want a list? Okay, uh, he's got a list up there. Yeah, 102 names of God, and or, excuse me, the names of Jesus. Okay, and then and then and then we have the names of God: Elohim, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Rashi. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Now, in reality, is not a name of God the name of Jesus as well? El Shaddai, absolutely, absolutely. Do I know? We do. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. On on what? Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, next week, my wife just reminded me. I, I had totally forgotten this. Next week we're gonna show a video. How long is that video? Just a couple minutes, right? Five 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 ish minutes or so. Uh on on the names of God. And uh it's it's really, really good. So we we'll we'll show that next week, uh on the names of God. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, if you can, as much as you can eat in five minutes, yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> but 
I, I hope you get the impact of this list that, that Brandon just passed out. Because the, the Prince of Life, the Prince of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Prophet, the Redeemer, and it goes on and on and on. That's what Jesus Christ is. He is all of this. And to, to minimize it and to, to say that the Word of God is not the Word of God, to trivialize how precious our Lord and Savior is, is so demeaning to God. Yeah, it's absolutely irreverent. So, okay, let's 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 go on. Now, page fifty-one here near the bottom, lesson number three. Uh, Jesus is God. The fact that Jesus is indeed God is revealed all throughout Scripture, and we just gave you a list of a, a whole bunch of uh, over a hundred. And, and let me say this: that list. Um, there are some theologians that, that can 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 add to that list. Okay, I, this is just a yeah. I mean, if you Google how many names of Christ there are, yeah. I mean, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. But um, uh, and the references I gave you, uh, several of those names uh, for Christ had multiple references. I just I just gave you one, just just for simplicity's sake. Um, so anyway. Um, uh, notice just a few uh, ways uh, that we see Jesus' deity. And, and, and uh, we see deity is shown through his names. He is, he is called God in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful uh, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, you know, right, right there, you have multiple names of of Jesus right there in that one uh, that one verse. Um, uh, <clears throat> I I I love I love the word counselor. I I love the name counselor. How many times have you been in situations where you you are you have nowhere to go but to but to Christ. You you have nobody to talk to but him. He is the counselor. <clears throat> the mighty God, the everlasting father, and I love the prince of peace. I love that. In John chapter 20 verse 28 and Tom, uh, Thomas answered and said unto him, my lord and my God, how precious. He claimed to be the Jehovah of the Old Testament, noted in uh, the King James Version with all caps, <clears throat> uh, the spelling Lord. Compare John chapter 5, verse 58, to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Before Abraham I was. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. It's 
So in essence, what is Jesus saying in John chapter 8? That he's God. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me. See, when, when Jesus was on earth, and he made the statement in John chapter 8, verse 58, and he used the, those two words, I am. Every Jew knew exactly what he was claiming to be. Every Jew knew it. What is the Hebrew for I am? Well, you should know that. Yahweh, it's Yahweh. See what he what he what he said in in that in in that day and time. He just said, I, "I am Yahweh," and every Jew, every Jew knew that. In fact, I believe, and I could be wrong, <clears throat> but I believe that the Jews wouldn't even say the word Yahweh. So when he said it, by even saying the word, he was committing heresy. <laughs> you know, just by saying the word, not and and then claiming that he was the I am, is is incredible. Okay, compare the next two verses there. Yes, compare John uh, seventeen five and Isaiah forty two eight. And John seventeen five it says, "Now, <clears throat> O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory." which I uh, had uh, with thee before the world was. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. So, <clears throat> what, 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 what is happening between these two verses? Yes, yes, before, but yeah, the, the, the scribes, and I've talked about this before, but the scribes, when they were, were copying the, 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 the scriptures, they would get to the word Yahweh. This word was so precious to them. Before they would write the word, they would go and they would bathe. <clears throat> they would come back, they would write the word Yahweh, and then they would go bathe again. And then they would come back and continue writing. That's how serious that word was. Thank you, Jason. <clears throat> it, it is. It's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. But going back to these two verses here. What, what is Jesus saying in John chapter uh, 17? Because in Isaiah chapter 42, he says, I, I will, that, that is my name and my glory will I not give to another. But in John chapter 17, what is happening? Jesus is claiming that name. 
He is called the Son of God. So Jesus is called God, and he is called the Son of God. In uh, John 3.16, most of us know this verse, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, <clears throat> that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, sometimes this uh, title is misunderstood as suggesting uh, uh, inferior, in, eesh, another one of those words, infer, inferiority. <clears throat> However, and I have this, I have this next sentence underlined uh, in my in my notes here. Uh, we should always study the Bible in its own culture, context, instead of our culture. Okay, uh, underline that because that. You cannot, and one of the problems with progressive Christianity is that's exactly what they do, okay? <clears throat> but, in fact, you can underline the next sentence as well. Uh, the Jews were uh, clearly, very clearly understood this title as being equal with God, not inferior to God. So when he claimed to be the Son of God, he was claiming to be equal with God. See, we we tend to look at that as a as a you know <clears throat> a father is superior to his son, and that is not what this what this phraseology is talking about. Again, you have to understand the the present uh, the culture in which uh, Jesus was writing this. <clears throat> in John chapter five. In verse 17 and 18, but Jesus answered them, My Father uh, worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him. Why would they kill him if he was claiming to be inferior? They wouldn't. See, he was claiming to be equal. <clears throat> uh, because he not only had uh, broken the Sabbath, but uh, said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Why is that so important? Okay, all right. My, my my wife uh, this morning in junior church um, uh, taught a lesson on what we would call Palm Sunday. Anybody know what Palm Sunday is? What what is? I personally don't like the term Palm Sunday because it makes me it makes me think Catholic is what is what it makes me think. But um, the triumphal entry is what I prefer. But we we all know it as Palm Sunday. Okay. Um, and I, I preached a message on this uh, several years ago, um, huh? Two, two or three years ago, uh, on on the triumph the triumphal entry of of Christ. And <clears throat> does anybody remember the significance of that day in the Jewish culture? Other than my wife, maybe I need to re-preach it. 
Okay, I might. I, I don't know. I'll look and see how long it's been. If it's been, if it's been, you know, three or four years, then I will. But I don't think it has. Yeah, Brandon. I'm sorry. Oh, you lost it. Okay. If if you go back, I'm surprised Will didn't get this one because he he knows a lot of Jewish stuff. Um, it, it 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 is known as in the Jewish culture. It is known as Lamb Selection Day. Now think about this. What 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 event in on the Jewish calendar happened the next week? Passover. So what did the what did every family need before Passover? They needed a lamb. So what it had become it had by the time Jesus came, it had become ritual for them to make a big celebration over Lamb Selection Day. I'm preaching my message. <clears throat> okay? So they would, they, would, they, they would make this big deal out of selecting the lamb for the Passover. Do you think it was by chance that Jesus chose to make his triumphal entry on Lamb Selection Day? And then what did the people of the city do? They praised, they selected Christ as their lamb. When they, they, they threw down their coats and they threw down their palms was a sign of, of royalty to make the road smooth so that their entry would be much smoother. But when he came in riding on a donkey, what do you think went through their minds? No, it was not. No, the king always rode a horse, a steed. Now, everybody else could ride donkeys, but the king had a horse or, or a steed. So for the king to be on a donkey was disappointing. That's a good word. Well, we know that, but they didn't. So, <clears throat> Lamb Selection Day. <clears throat> Where was I going with that? Oh, yeah, we're talking about Palm Sunday. So, <clears throat> God Himself came to die for the sins of men. See, an inferior God, if you would, if, if Christ was inferior to God instead of equal with, would his payment be enough for all of mankind? No. God himself had to pay the price. And when we, when we as a society, when we as Christians, we dumb down this book, and we, we take away sin of mankind. And we say, oh, we don't, we don't talk about that. Well, then how is somebody going to get saved if they don't know they're a sinner? They, they would have no need for a Savior, exactly. 
we need to remember when we're reading Scripture to always try and understand the culture and what was going on at the time. I've got books in my library. I've got other resources that I will oftentimes, I will read something and think, okay, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense to me. What was going on in, in world history at this time? And, and I, have, I have multiple resources that I use to, to, to be able to do that, but um, I, the title of the one is just totally missing. I'm missing it. Um, anyway, it, the, basically the title of, has something to do with the culture of the times or something. Anyway, you know, it, deals, it deals with the different cultures and the, you know, what was going on at the time and so on. And it's so important that we understand that because if we filter the scriptures through 21st century life, we will end up as a progressive church. We, you can't do that. <clears throat> his deity, your next blank here, his deity is shown through his works. Jesus performed works that only God can do. Amen to that. Okay, he creates. In John chapter 1 and verse 3, uh, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Okay, we talked about this at the beginning of the study. Was Jesus Christ there in Genesis 1.1? Yes, he was. Okay. <clears throat> Not, so he was that he was there and he was the creator. Okay. Um, he preserves all things. Hebrews chapter one, verse three, who being uh, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. Uh, when he had by himself purged all our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And then he forgives sins. And, and, and uh, uh, Mark chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Why doth, why, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they <clears throat> so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But they made known that the, the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. And he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say un, unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. So he had the power to forgive sin. What, what an incredible, incredible thing. And I love this next one. He gives eternal life. In John chapter 17 and verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many 
as thou hast given him. Isn't that awesome? My, um, my wife reminded me after, after my dad was saved, she reminded me, um, I think she actually told my dad first, um, but she said, she said, she said, dad, not only is Rick your son, but he's also your brother. And I thought, I thought, wow, I never, you know, I just, you know, it just didn't dawn on me. But I, you know, then I started thinking about it. You know, I get to spend eternity with my dad. What, what an incredible thought. Now, I don't know if he wants to spend eternity with me. <clears throat> that's, the, that's the tough question. Let, 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 me, let me close by saying this. We have a precious book here. And, and those of you that are, are new to our study, go back and, and fill in the blanks and, 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 and read through the first, the first two chapters. The first chapter deals with uh, the Bible and the authority of the Word of God. And when we diminish this book, then we are, in essence, saying that what Christ did for us isn't important. Because in essence, this book is about what he did for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If anything, we should be exalting this book and making, making this book preeminent in our lives. You know, if you, if you were to <clears throat> go with a uh, go for a ride in my truck. Um, uh, in fact, I gave somebody a ride uh, yesterday in my truck, and he and he saw it and he pointed it out. <clears throat> but if you if you were to get in my truck and take my truck for a drive or me drive you whatever, uh, you will see on the dashboard of my truck a picture of my wife. Every truck that I've had for the last. 25-ish years, maybe 30 years, I, I, I keep a picture of my wife on my dashboard uh, because, because she's important to me. And I want her uh, to be preeminent in my thinking. And I want her, her picture's there, not, a, not necessarily as a reminder, but, but as a, as a, as a, I guess a, a reminder that she is the most important person in my life. And I do that because I love her. I don't worship my wife. <laughs> I don't do that. But I, I love my wife and I keep a picture of her. How important is the Word of God to you? Is it, is it preeminent in your life? Is it something that you pick up and, oh, it's time to go to church, you better grab my Bible? Or is it something that you love to read and you love to get into? See, if we don't make this book preeminent, then the deity of Christ and what Christ did for us 
isn't important either. So let me challenge you. Take a picture of your Bible and put it on your dashboard. No, I'm teasing. Uh, <laughs> make this book important. Yes. Yes. It has to be. It has to be. How how important is it to you? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I I am so truly thankful for the Word of God. And the, and the power of the Word of God that changes lives. And Lord, I just ask as we uh, conclude our service that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us and that you would strengthen us to be more like you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I, let me just ask you very quickly. Is there anybody say, you know, Pastor... God has been working in my heart about something. It doesn't have to necessarily be about the Word of God or any. It could be anything, but God is doing a work in your heart and your life, and you would like me to pray for you. Is there anybody say, Pastor, would you pray for me? God is doing a work in my life. Okay, I see your hands. Amen. Amen. Lord, you know our hearts tonight. And Lord, I pray that we as individuals, that we as a church would make the Word of God preeminent, thus making you preeminent in our lives. Lord, you know the heart behind every hand that was raised, the burdens, the, the difficulties, the challenges that, that, that we face. And Lord, I just ask that you would guide and direct and that you would give wisdom and that you would help us as a church family to, to do what we can to help meet the needs of our family. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.